We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Hey, how you fellas doing today, man? Happy 100. 100. That's what's up. Congratulations. Mark. Oh, my goodness. We made it to 100. <laughs> All the limbs intact. You know what I'm saying? hundred <laughs> is one a hundred. I, I feel like I should sing the Marvin Marvin Sapp song. Never never could have made it. Man. Never would have made it. Well, look, I know we got an esteemed guest today and, and can't wait to, for that cat to get on, but we're gonna do our check-in like we always do. Uh welcome to the last day of January. Uh and welcome to episode one hundred. Uh, uh, let's start with you, uh, Sharif. With you have a very beautiful visitor visiting you right now. So we'll go with Chris first. We'll go with Chris first, and then uh, we'll come to you, and then we'll go to Ray. Um, man, listen, my my blessings are intact. It's a good year, good week. Things are happening for me. Uh, I'm excited for a milestone like this. 100 episodes. Uh. We started this a long time ago. People who have watched us forever have heard the story over and over again. But four black brothers just getting together to talk on Sunday nights about education and about our children was novel. But look at it now. It's 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 a uh, it's a movement and it's much more than it ever was. So excited tonight to talk about it. Uh, welcome to the, the the fam who are watching and putting comments in. Let's have a good time. That's what's up, man. Reef, uh, you just had, like I said, you had a, a very beautiful visitor with you just now. So I yeah, want yeah. to get in the middle of that. You feel me? Uh, no, no, she's excited, man. She's just, she turned seven this you know, um, this month. Well, next month. So, um, but yeah, excited to be here. You know, um, the hundredth, I, I think it is a, a really important milestone. I know when we started out, you know, it. I don't remember how many times we were just having Sunday conversations without recording anything or, you know, it wasn't, we hadn't brought it together, but we were just conversing. And before that, when we would meet in person or before that, when it was online, you know, Stuart uh, connected all of us uh, to each other through different things. You all would come down to the black male educator convenings. We'd see each other at other, um, you know, events and to be able to just, you know, see that, wow, you know what, we are all focused on the same uh, thing, which is our, our children, our youth, our communities and, and their success, their protection, uh, you know, their love. And so I'm, I'm just really grateful. You know, this is uh, it's not I don't take this for granted. So I'm, I'm proud of, you know, to be a part of this and proud of our the community that has uh, coalesced around this idea of the eight million black children. Man, that's beautiful, man. That's super beautiful. Uh, Ray, brother, how you doing? Let us know how you how you are and how you feel about this is 100. Yeah. Um, I'm well, bro. Um, can you guys hear me? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm well. Um, man, 100 episodes, bro. Uh, I mean, I mean, you guys know the backstory behind this. Yo. We <laughs> never thought we were going to get this far. And so uh, for us to finally be here uh, at 100 episodes, man, it's a blessing. And mm -hmm. uh, definitely a blessing uh, for us to the, the impact of the work that we're doing, you know, and just like how far reaching it is. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal uh, in terms of the things that we do and the things that we're able to do. And then also, you know, the type of access that uh, this podcast has given 
us in terms of being able to do live shows in different cities, being able to tour like we're rappers and stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a really good feeling, man. Blessed to be here. So um, That's what's up, man. I think that's beautiful, man. What I, about you, bro? Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm really happy to like to be here. It's, it's, it's a lot that it took to get to this moment. But again, uh, four dudes that just felt something in education that didn't always feel like they had a place to say it. And uh, and I just remember those conversations at those conferences. And then we had but we have faith, whether it was one person listening or, or, you know, a few a few hundred. Right. It's like, yo, if we just tell our truth and we just show that there are people that believe in the power of black kids and then brown kids and they can learn, you know, people want to hear that and they'll be open to hearing us have some real talk about it. Not this dressed up thing, not this super far away thing that, that you can't really understand half the words when people talking about it. it's just like, yo, quality and how we get there. And I think what's special about our group is just that we have very different ways of trying to get to that place. But the one thing that we all agree on is that one black and brown kids can learn too, and they deserve better than what they're getting. Um, and how we get there may be very different. And I'd be remiss if I left out and we, we represent four very different corners of the political spectrum as well. And it, it's been a, truly been a journey. It's truly been a ride, but um, we we will have a, we will have us a, a, a special guest on in a little bit. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do is make sure that we set the the, the table for what t- today's conversation is about. Um, today's conversation is with somebody who's not just a rapper, but is also an activist and also somebody who believes in black economics and that black folks should have their own thing. And so I'm really curious, and I think as a podcast, it's just like, hey. With the resources we got and the resources you got, what's possible? Let's have a conversation today about what's possible. Let's have a conversation about even things that we may disagree in certain parts of, of, of this thing. But if we're really thinking about what a black economy looks like, you can't think about that without school. You can't you can't think about that without, you know, thinking about economics and all that stuff. So what is it that you all really want to get out of today's session? And I'm going to go in reverse order, Ray. So let me start with you this time. Bro, um, so, I mean, like, even though we may have, like, fundamental differences in terms of, like, how we get to great, um, I think it's really important for us to talk about what great looks like uh, for black and brown kids. And then also, um, to scale this argument up of uh, of this us versus them kind of argument that that I see a lot in education, um, I just want great schools for everybody. Uh, if it's a traditional public school, if it's a parochial school, if it's a private school, if it's a public charter school, I just want your kid to have the best opportunity to, to, to have really good teachers that care about them and love them. Um, that's my goal um, for, for tonight, so for us to get to like one place to where we're like, all right, let's make education really good for black and brown kids, even though the system is not designed for them, even though, um, you know, they're walking into a system that doesn't particularly love them the way that they should be. Um, how, how can we get past that and start um, doing these black owned, uh, I mean, black developed schools, uh, brown developed schools and, and, and things of that nature. So that, that's my energy for tonight. That's what's up, man. Sharif, uh, same question, but I'll restate it for you, too, brother. Just tonight, what are you hoping, understanding this brother's background? And I, I like calling him the second coming of Ice Cube. Uh, I'll do a, a, a full introduction to him uh, when it's at the appropriate time. But what are you hoping to get out of tonight's episode? 
Yeah, I mean, really, some of what he's what he's learned as he's been pushing it forward, you know, um, organizing, coalescing around these this idea of black institutions. Um, what does that mean? How does it look like? You know, what has he learned from, you know, our ancestors and the black blueprint, you know, and how do we parlay that leverage what he's learned? Um, so institution building and organizing um, and obviously, you know, a central component of education is, uh, you know, those are like the three areas I'm, I'm really interested in hearing more about. That's what's up, man. I'm, I'm excited for that, too. Uh, citizen, Citizen Stewart. Um, I yes, know you sir. are working, brother. It's all we working. We got you. It's all good. Um, uh, <laughs> You, you know, you were the person who helped to even make this show a possibility. And even as we are waving through whatever technical uh, pieces, because, you know, this is technology or whatnot. Um, what is it that you're hoping to get out of tonight's uh, conversation? You know, I hope we stop tearing things down and start building things up. Right. So it's time to build, 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 build. That should be the word. The word of the hour, the word of the day. This was Sesame Street. The messages today are brought to you by Build. That's what this should be about. Let it be. Let it be, right? We should build on the black male networks that we have built. We should build on the family that we've built, black male and, and others, the multiracial uh, movement that we have started in groups that, that come to us. We should build on that. We should build new schools. We should build new educational opportunities and they shouldn't be in isolation. The thing that I love about our guest today, the thing that I love that he is doing is that he is talking about uh, recreating and building um, black communities in total, uh, rebuilding our own food supplies, grocery stores, a bank, financial institutions, barbershops, restaurants. And in the middle of all of that, because all that is talking about is what? Building a village. In the middle of that, there has to be a what? A school, right? And we're, we've got that part cornered. We talk about education every week. It's time to actually put that in the larger building of the larger movement. That's what's up, man. Well, I'm going to do. What about you? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'm, this always I'm, happens like you you hosting. So what about you? Well, I answer. But I think I, I do think that I, I'm interested in building things that can be independently ours and for us where we can kind of take care of ourselves and be able to work and help other people. Right. But I think that you got to put your own mask on first. And I think that there's a lot that we need to do in our community. And I'm about to be a, a real fan right now. Thank you, super producer. I see him. I'm, I'm about to be a real, real fan. Uh, Ray, get your jokes ready for me, baby, because I'm about to go there. This is, this is this is this is this is my guy right here. Uh, so I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming and introducing one Michael Render, aka Mike Bigger, aka Killer Mike, aka what I like to affectionately call him as the second coming of Ice Cube. I'll see how he feels about that at some point. Uh, he is now one half of this hip hop super group, uh, Run the Jewels. But long before that, I was introduced to Killer Mike as a protege of Big Boy from Outkast. And it was two verses that solidified it for me with him early on. Uh, the Grammy Award winning the whole world uh, with Outkast, where he, you know, he can catch a beat running like Randy Moss. We're going to see if he's still Randy Moss. <laughs> in the streets. Uh, and his verse on Never Scare with Bone Crusher. If you if you wasn't out in college during that time or going to clubs, you missed the moment. Uh, it will never be like that again. Uh, but Mike has, Mike has an entirely new career as an activist and as a black first entrepreneur. I mean, this brother has 
barbershops. Uh, this brother believes so much in black agency and black self-reliance that he co-founded a bank, uh, the Greenwood Bank. Uh, so it is with so much honor and such a pleasure as a fan. Uh, can we all give a warm, warm welcome to Michael Renda, a.k.a. <laughs> Killer Man. What's up, Thank y'all. Welcome. Thank y'all, Rose. Good What's to see up, you, bro. Charles. What up, Chris? I'll do. Good evening. Oh yeah, the sell Mecky and Ankrum. They ain't got the name. You. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think y'all need to open the door for Kitty guys. Guys, the gate. Kit, guys. Hey, I'm on an interview, and his wife is out there. It needs to be in the gate. Oh, let him gate. There we go. So Mike is handling business right now because he runs black businesses. That's what happens right now. Tighten up. <laughs> Killer Mike, welcome to, welcome to the broadcast, brother. Hey, man, man, Dr. man Dr. Charles, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you, thank you. I, um, I'm honored. I am honored to be called the second coming of Ice Cube. I'd be honored to be called Ice Cube Shoe Carry. You know, Ice Cube is um, well, the Ice Cube is a huge influence. I tell people, if you listen to my rap style, you're listening to a, a direct student of the school of Ice Cube, majored in some Scarface, Chuck D, and KRS-One while I was there as well. So thank you. It's an honor. Mm-hmm. Well, before the fellas jump in, Mike, let me go ahead and just set the, the bar for what we kind of talking about today. Okay. Just so you, you know, you ain't walking in fully blind. This is a podcast with four brothers that believe in black education and believe that we deserve better and we should be asking for better. We wanted yeah. to like have a conversation with you just around your yeah, efforts to build black power, right? Like you support yeah. black entrepreneurialism. You, you support black self-defense. You support uh, yeah. collective economics and you've also yeah. talked about black themed charter schools before and utilizing that public system uh so yeah. we want to basically have a conversation just around uh how to how to kind of combine those things and and uh before i before i had you jump in i want to make sure that i didn't miss anything with you chris because you know chris is the brother that helped put this episode together so why Thanks, don't you pick us off brother no, no, no. You didn't miss anything. I, did, I would love to talk about how we build uh, the educational capital, uh, black educational capital, along with all the other capitals we're trying to build. Yeah. Okay. I want to say I was an I was an, I didn't I didn't I didn't become, you know, a rapper and then just start feeling guilty and became an activist. I was organizing way before. I was a known rapper. I've I've rapped and probably organized my entire um, teenage them forward. So coinciding with organizing from the time I was 14, 15 years old, um, my grandmother involuntarily, I was an organizer before because your grandmother, when she's involved in the neighborhood, you're just kind of, you, you're on her hip. So whatever mm-hmm. she was doing, I was doing it. She was campaigning Andy Young, there I was holding my sign. But when mm-hmm. I got political awareness and, you know, the social motivation to do it myself, so about the time I've been 14, so about 30, 31 years as an actual activist, as an organizer um, early on, and now more of a mobilizer since I'm not weeding, meeting on a weekly basis and determining things in the local, but I stay plugged in with the organizer so that I want to know where to send corporate money and, and, and more than even one, knowing who to support on the ground is doing the work. So thank you for including all of what I do. Because sometimes when you go, they like to call you whatever they want to call you at the time, but thank you for being all inclusive because the goal is to be a renaissance man, do my little part. So everybody else can do their little part. None of us have to do a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good, man. I, I think one of the places that we like to start, and then I'll let the after you answer this, I'll let the fellas jump in. But so, how do we do it? How we do it, Mike? Like, how do you, you know, you had you had a dope show on Netflix, which I, I had a yeah. really good time watching. But like, how <laughs> there are people, there are people that's like, okay, y'all talking about this black unity, y'all talking about building black economics. Yeah. 
Like, yeah, it, you know, Ice Cube tried to come out with a plan and people had a lot of things to say about t- to him when he was trying to do it. So, Mike, yeah. why don't you tell us what do we need to do if we want to get the black education that we want to see and the type of yeah. black unit we want to see? What should yeah. kick us off of what we need to be doing? I think we lean into the things that work and we pull out of the things that don't. Um, and that may be different at different times and decades. That may be different even in different cities and places. But I think that we need to be more pragmatic about some of the decisions we make on a national basis. Um, we know that we have overarching things that make sense. But on a local basis, there may be some nuance. So, you know, you may not have the option. Um, like when I tell people I define black businesses by three different tiers. They're, they're black businesses in terms of, you know, that, that serve you because black products that are actually produced, we don't have a lot of them around anymore. It's very difficult sometimes for the people that have a stronghold. So the matters of black business, businesses that are owned and operated and employ black people. Um, and that's like my top here. I try to do that. And if I can't do that, is there business that may be owned by others, but operated by black people so that I'm treated fairly, my community is treated fairly. Now, all of them, there's a prerequisite you have to treat my community. And in, 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 in the, in the, like, say you get down to your third or fourth final tier, what, what you see is there's some nuance of these two is that a business may be owned by other people and they may not be able to employ because they're a small family business, but they deal fairly with my community. And eventually it'll bring one person or two people along because it's a smaller business, but they deal fairly. So I try to do that because if I'm in the middle of America, it may not be easy as to, 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 to turn that dollar like I will in Atlanta or say Harlem or Jacksonville or Charleston. So I try to do whatever I can as an individual to make sure I'm strong, but then start to strengthen my community by where I spend my dollar. There's some other things we can do in terms of education. We were lucky enough in the 90s when I went to Frederick Douglass High School. Now, the significance of this is, and I tell people, I didn't understand how unique and special growing up at a time in Atlanta where I grew up was. Most of the schools in Atlanta are named for black educators and emancipators. That does not escape the fact that the public school system has went to shit nationally, right? So this was a national school of excellence named after Frederick Douglass. Our, our rival high school is Benjamin E. Mays, former president of Morehouse. So that's a hell of a rivalry. Either way it go, you're on the right side of cheer of cheering for him. We went from a national school of excellence that had only had two principals in 40 years to a, to a school that had the best students siphoned out of that school, put in charter schools that were called academies. And because that because that happened, it left the school kind of dismal and it's now returning to prominence. But then they went through about six or seven principals in 11 years. That's sabotage. Mm-hmm. So include the fact that you're not educating in a way. When I went to Frederick Douglass, it wasn't on the national or, or state curriculum. But when I went there, just because the staff decided to, the staff what was went to black colleges. They had went to black high schools like Booker T. Washington, which was the oldest black high school in Atlanta. That's where Dr. King and Lena Horn went. They were determined to make sure we not only knew the education that we were supposed to be given by Atlanta public school system, but we understood where we fit into it. So when we got to Douglas, we had to read the autobiography of Frederick Douglass. I remember some teacher wasn't in the curriculum. She said, you want to pass my class? It is. So we were fiercely <laughs> educated by people who use the educational system to subvertly teach us. Dr. Asa Hilliard, you guys can Google that. Some of you may know something about oh, oh, He was yeah. a famous oh, yeah. Egyptologist, right? A lot of people don't know him because he was um. He was before the internet time, but he was a light-skinned, bad mofo, man, in terms of knowing who we were. He actually shaped the curriculum that our history teachers went and took over at Clark, and they brought that curriculum. So 
the page on Egypt will show you a photo of this bead, right? Usually King Tut, like the gold ring. I would. And then they go on to talk about people as though the people that are in Egypt now were the people that was down the pyramids get built. And that woman said, okay, now that we, we learned how to take the test, and we, let's close the book. And then we did a whole month on what Egypt really was. So I know that education, when, when, when taught the right way, creates people like me, Judge Asha Jackson, Chief Judge in DeKalb County, Coach Cameron Dollar out of Seattle, who won the NCAA championship with UCLA. And I say that not because he bounced the ball, because he was intelligent from the time we was in the third grade. Stanley Pritchard, Robert Hicks, many other people, luminaries. The, the new um, dean of some fancy smart shit at Georgia Tech is Dr. Raheem Diaz, grew up two doors from me, went to the same high school. And that school was effective because you had all the kids together, the average kids, the smart kids, and they encouraged one another. And they and, and because your circle was, was, was better, you wanted to be better. I think that we can do that in ourselves. If, if there's opportunity even to use a charter school system, to take that charter school, name it Marcus Garvey Charter School, put 100 kids in that school and educate them in a way that Dr. John Henry Clark or Dr. Asa Hilliard would have wanted, then you have an opportunity to start to create the students who not only are competitive and can do math and sciences, mechanical drafting and building, uh, you have students that are competent and that are confident in themselves, so you're putting out confident black people in the workplace who then go on to build business, hire other confident black people, and they're going to grow those schools. I see myself, I think, as important as a part of a long process. I am not the end. I don't know if I'll be here at the end. I just want to do my part to help win. My great-grandparents were the, parents, were the sons and daughters of people who were enslaved. My great-grandfather, who I knew, his father was used in the Tuskegee experiment. My great-grandmother, mm -hmm. who I knew until I was 10 when she died, who taught me to sew a button and taught me how to read in part, taught her own mother to read, right? So that's how close we are to slavery. I knew the children of slaves, right? They, 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 they provided a, a stability for my family because they bought land, they owned farms, so my grandmother was able to be educated. Since my grandmother was, be able, was able to be educated, she got to go to nursing school. She got to marry a, a square man. Uh, well, she thought he was square. I really <laughs> never, never ran little. You know what I mean? But he was a good man. You know what I mean? And who, who, and they gave me and my sisters the stability that created a professional style. My sister was a beautician, uh, an accountant, certified accountant, graduated Dillard University, and me, the, the, the kid who, who was the um, college dropout and, and failed. You know? <laughs> but managed to become an entrepreneur. So... You know, I think that there are a lot of little things we can do. Those are some of the things that actually helped me. Um, that, and, and I'm a testament of a village raising a child, I'm a testament of all black everything. My mayor was black, my teachers were black, my principals was black, my pastors were black. I only saw white kids when we went on school trips. And that's not to antagonize but little. That's just to say, that's why I saw white people on TV and at the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra when we went to see the Nutcracker in December. So I, but what that did for me, though, was put a very confident child into the world. So when I start organizing by the time I was 15 and I was organizing with kids who didn't look like me, I knew fully who I was. I was confident and competent in who I was. So I never felt intimidated. And that's one of the things I believe in when I tell black people I think it's best that black children go to school with black children until they're 13. Because it, it's so tra traumatic to be the minority oftentimes. You don't get to fully blossom into who you, who you are. And it 
takes a longer process, which is what I understand from meeting my friend who was biracial in 1993 at Morehouse. Jim, Jim's dad was black, but when in his life, Jim had never been around a black person in his life until he got to Morehouse. And that's when I understood the importance mm-hmm. of HBCUs. Beyond just that I was a black kid and Morehouse was the shit, my cousins that went there, I started to understand that culturally, it cultivated a family-like environment for many of us who had been minority to finally feel the majority. But that's something I'm a product of, of being a majority being from Atlanta. Oh, that was beautiful. Mm. Uh, Chris, he said a lot. So... Yeah, I did. I, I know, know I did. Sorry. Well, I know, that's 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 that. We appreciate that. <laughs> Chris, you, you hit a lot of things we can build on. And the funny thing is, before I throw it to you, Chris, Asa Hilliard, yeah. so I, my doctorate is from Asa Hilliard's program at San Francisco State. So that's where I, that's, that's where I became that's a doctor uh, from students of his. So, uh, mm-hmm. Stuart, what, what you just heard a lot, brother. So sum that up and, and give your thoughts, B. <laughs> well, for the first thing I want to say is if uh, Killer Mike is the, the failure, <laughs> I want to fail like yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, I'm the failure. I want to, no bullshit. My, gra- my grandmother yeah. tell me I, I want to get on your failure plan. You don't have a tray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get on your failure plan. Um, you know, listen, I, I, I've heard in a different interview with you, you talk about your your. Uh, I want to say it was your grandfather. You asked him about um, segregation and desegregation. And we've talked a lot on this show about uh, segregation. There's a popular kind of way of looking at education right now that if we integrate, everything will be fine. Um, And we've talked about it a million times on this show that after desegregation, we lost all of our black educational capital. We fired black teachers. We filed black principals. We closed black schools. Um, How are you looking at that? Um, as part of, you know, your education philosophy, but also with business. I I think it's okay to say this isn't working for us. So um, immigration as modeled ain't working. Public education is not working for American children, period. Let's say that. (laughs) Like even, even the children that are lily white are not bilingual. They're not conscious of, of, of world studies and history in the way that European children are. You know, I'm in I'm in Holland. I'm in, you know, I'm in Germany. I'm in these places because I still sing and dance professionally and, and make nice money doing it. But I get a chance to see how far advanced their European counterparts are to them. So let's 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 just take to take into account that public education is, is failing, period. And it's so it is especially crippling to us because not only is it failing in reading, writing, and arithmetic. It is also failing to instill the confidence in the children it takes to compensate for the bullshit that's being taught versus the nothingness. We do not teach financial literacy to any American children. We don't even teach kindergartners to clean up after themselves in a way like the Japanese kids do that will create competent people in terms of not littering. So we, let's let's say that whole education system needs to be uh, over uh, it ain't just us. But now dealing with just us because we can't control everything going on on the outside. Like your mom said, I can control, and your father, I control what goes on in my house. In our house, even if our children continue in this broken um, public school system, we need to create some type of Wednesday, Saturday, or, or something school in which we take our children for hour and a half, three hours, to be together, to be taught, to study, to discuss how to be curious about wanting to learn more. What to be, like part of my education 
the part of the, one of the classes that I took in high school was in the Art Talent Center. Um, Mr. Bill Murray, co-owner of Murray Brothers Funeral Homes, had went to Washington High School. Light skinned Negro, because could grow a mustache like Gordon Parks. Had how like like <laughs> how like white folks, right? He said he went to Book T. Washington. He said, "Man, you know everybody started talking about they was gonna get me to go to college. Somebody they wanted me to be a doctor." He said, "Shit, nigga, I didn't want to do that much reading." He said, I said, what you want to do? He said, I just figured I'd major in art. So he, he ended up being an art teacher, but this man taught me more about entrepreneurship and life. And he taught me a lot about art. He turned out a good artist to me. But he taught us about things that we weren't being taught in school, but that we should have been. He helped me understood that when I talked the, the story of me buying an apartment building in the bluff in Atlanta, he told me about the neighborhood when we was in the 90s. And all of us thought we wanted to be dope boys and, you know, should have had enough sense to go look up how to buy something at 19 and 20 and did it. But my wife ended up years later bought something. Else. But he had already owned half that neighborhood and sold it off and made money and opened another funeral home. So because I had instructors like that that had went to black high schools and black colleges, they knew what was important. And we need to center our monetary schools or our charter schools or our one-day-a-week schools around that. What are these children going to need? These children are going to need knowledge of how to build a credit. These children are going to need knowledge on how to bank. These children are going to need to know where they're from in Africa, what made Africa great, what Africa contributed to the world. And if the public school system is not going to give us that, then what we can demand out of the public school system is give us reading, writing, and arithmetic to make us at least competent on an average level. And we'll take care of the confident part and making sure we're putting people who not only know something, but are qualified to learn. Um, a lot of times I find mm. that in our children, it's not that we don't know or can't know. Our children don't have the confidence because they're put in situations where they don't feel competent. And um, I think if we change that narrative, black children will blossom as quickly as they blossom with a ball in their hand on the field or court. Mm. Mm. Reef. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. I mean, you brought up so, so many great points. So, you know, one, I'm glad you brought up Asa Hilliard because I think the way he frames education, right? Like he said, you know, uh, something to the effect of like, there's no such thing as a, a non-genius, you know, in children across any Absolutely. denominator. Absolutely. And there's no secret as to how to educate them, right? Like you center, you center them, you believe in them. Um, you treat them like human beings and then you love on them. Right. And then that, that brings that. And then you bring up this other piece about, uh, you know, that the confidence. And I, I liken it to having a if a child has a uh, a positive racial identity, they're literate, numerate, all those kind of things. And they can have like a sense of purpose. There's no stopping them. Right. Like, you know, but they need that kind of that connection of like, yes, I need to be able to read and think and problem solve. But the positive racial identity is always in peril, uh, you know, when they go to certain school. One is it's, yeah. there's an onslaught of anti-blackness anyway that they're absorbing. Yes. Right. As well as we absorb the sun, we're also absorbing anti-blackness messages. Yes. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and continued in schools and classrooms and districts and, and media and so forth. And so for them to be able to like hone their sense of purpose, they need the shield and armor that we talk about. Like, yes. Be able to block that, you know, they need the fullbacks, right? Education yeah. is like that old school fullback blasting through the Absolutely. hole. Absolutely. So sweetness can can run run free, right? Like, and so Absolutely. that that piece is missing in, in so many ways. And then I'm also like, you know, when you talk about like how schools, uh, you know, the the turnover and things like that, that happened. Right. And so I was a principal and I was the third principal in six months. Somebody retired in June. 
Next person retired in, de- in uh, December. And then here I come in January, like, all right, listen. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I was younger than, you know, but now I'm just like, yo, that was a crazy situation to, to thrust my first principalship in, you know? Thank God, you know, we were able to have, like, have a team and the community was amazing. Um, shout out to Shaw Middle School in Southwest Philly, but like those kind of things, those kind of pressures. Um, and then lastly, just this idea of having detox centers, you know, you're talking about out of school time and people always running around like, oh, let's do this. Let's do the homework club and this like folks need detox centers, you know, like well, how do we reinforce for our children what they need back to the positive identity, mitigate whatever damage was done um, as we build our own institutions and, and things like that. But, you know, uh, you know, just this idea of like, you know, someone told me a while back, if you can't. Feed yourself, clothe yourself, and educate your children. You ain't free. <laughs> I, I I have I often have this discussion and talks with with brothers and ancestors, but a lot of brothers when they talk to me about being in business or involving myself in capitalism, and you know I, I tell them it's it, I've been around the world and I just haven't seen a system that gave me the opportunity I have here as a working class kid. To, to be able to put myself in a situation where I now can be a jobs provider and help people. And that's not based just on money. It's based on my grandparents and my grandfather in particular. My grandmother was able to be educated because of her parents saved and had and, and were able to man, have a farmer. They were Methodist. And she went to Methodist school. My grandfather had to drop out of school in third grade to support his mother and his two sisters working on sawmill. And, you know, my grandfather would say, if you if, if you don't, if you can't hunt and kill your own game, if you can't fish to feed yourself, if you can't grow your own food, if you don't have your own means of making money besides a job, because he worked driving a dump truck with Chattahoochee Brick five days a week, and then on the weekends, he gambled, he sold whiskey, or he drove a dump truck, he sold his own property, but he never totally depended on any white man or company for money. His woman was a nurse, so she had a specialized trade that she could negotiate where she wanted to work and when she wanted to work. They put themselves in a position of power having a real property, so we vacationed every year. And I didn't understand until my wife told me we grew up in the housing project, nigga, y'all was rich. Now, y'all might have <laughs> never had a pair of, y'all might have never had a pair of Jordans. You might have never had mm. uh, the, the, the super long starter jacket you wanted. But because your grandparents were able to have surplus and allow you these opportunities to, to live, mm. you you were rich. So we have to understand that there's a richness in education that we that we can provide our children with when we put that focus on that and we, and we put that and we put that time and energy into making sure they have it. There's a richness in making sure you have a confident black child that when the bullshit come to them, they already know how to refute it. See, mm. Ebony was so dominant and Jet was so dominant when I was coming up. I didn't give a fuck that they made Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra. I knew she wasn't white. That was just a white folks movie. You know what I mean? Because Ebony showed me Cleopatra was black. You know, and and I think that when you talk about having that that detox time, other cultures have that. Um, in that you know, when people get mad, we say we African American, but they never get mad about Greek town because they want to go there and eat lamb and y'all. They never get mad about Chinatown. Because they have they have they have the food and entertainment they like in China. They never get mad about little Odessa when they go to the spas and the Russians. They never get mad about those that people that say this is exclusively our culture and those cultures don't take away from America. To me, they add to the tapestry because they give you a piece of what to make that community. But those communities, they do this with theirs. And as mm-hmm. black people, sometimes we do all this public arguing, and we 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 can just argue and then. But let's make sure we do this. I grew up in Atlanta, a very special place on the west side. 
Um, well, I got to go to the West End, and in the West End, you had a Black Hebrew community, a Black Muslim community, a Black Christian community. I mean, liberation-based, like Shrine of Black Madonna. And what, when, what I got a chance to see was people who didn't necessarily agree on what God said in a particular book agreed on the fact that we Black and we're here to help each other. Uh-huh. And, and, we, and what we're not going to do is betray one another. We're going we're gonna to help keep drugs out community together. If you know we, if I can't, if I, if, if Captain D's is the only choice, I know I can't find none halal. I'm going to eat it soul vegetarian and it's Hebrew home. You know what I mean? But I know food is good for me. So what I've seen in Atlanta is all my heroes and villains have been black. Right? All my mm. heroes and villains. So I've seen, I've seen us do it incredibly right and I've seen us do it incredibly wrong. And I mm. know that when, that when we, that when we are, that we are that when we when we care about what's coming after us, we come to agreements where we had disagreements. And I think that these times are kind of polarize us from that, but there's a grand opportunity into us to galvanize right now around being black and, and, and galvanize around what we're going to do in terms of not only supporting black business, but black education. Bill Cosby, you know, people can feel about how they feel about him. He was instrumental in making me love education in terms of the figure that he was in the 70s and 80s. He spoke at Frederick Douglass High School when he went on his his rant just saying black people. And I felt like at the time he was saying to poor people, you know. Y'all, mm-hmm. y'all, 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 I want to say to poor people, you know, you guys have, uh, you know, after talking, you say you haven't held up to your end of the deal. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, come on, man, don't do this, this, this shit. But he said, you know, if nothing else, you know, I know the world takes me. I know you haven't been given anything. He said, but education, it, it truly was. And I just thought about how hard and fucked up it had been for people in my generation with the crack era, how crazy and fucked up it must have been for my mother coming up in the midst of the civil rights movement and that, things of that nature. My grandmother actually participated. When I think about the depths of the Depression era, my grandparents were born and lived in. When I think about what my, gr- my grandmother must have went through as a child trying to teach her mother to read things of that nature, I said to myself, and this is not for anyone else, this is what Michael said to Michael, like, I got to toughen up. I got to take every advantage and every scrap because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to provide for Michael, my daughter, or easy role. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. fair. It's fucked up and it's wrong. But all those people with a little gray hair and our beard and on the top of our head, it's time we stop blaming children. It's time we simply stop blaming government. Even though we do have to raise our level of expectations, we got to take the problems. We want this. But it's time that we do on a local level. Because again, what might work in your municipality might not work in mine, but on a local level, figure out how to take that Asa Hill curriculum that exists and how to start getting that amongst 10 children in our neighborhood. On a local level, how do we figure out when we come to Atlanta and we bring our children to the Trap Music Museum to make the Apex Museum also a part of that visit? It's time on a very local level to give what Ebony and Jet gave us in terms of confidence and, and complimenting and speaking. And because I think that if we do that in terms of the confidence and we create curious children, I think that the problem of education can be solved. Because Dr. John Henry Clark didn't have any formal learning in terms of a diploma or a degree at first. And he was teaching at a college while he was getting those things because he was self-learned based on the curiosity mm. that had been stoked as a child. That brother preaching over here, man. Mm. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm about to throw it to my brother who, who runs a full district and is making sure that black kids uh, are learning and are doing it at a high rate. Also, his own children. Uh, and I know when if you ask him about where he is with his own son, he will be with pride that that boy is two grades ahead and and, and on Come track. On now. 
I just got to bring him in the right way because he was on Boys Walking Show and he killed it talking about his past and what led him into education. So, Ray, why don't you jump in uh, at, with a reaction and then just some thoughts uh, and, and maybe even share a little bit about your boy. I just like hearing black black men brag on yeah, their kids. Brag on your boy, man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what's up. Um, so. First and foremost, bro, I want to thank you for coming on our show, man. 100 episodes you, man. And, and, and having you on our show. Amazing energy, bro. Uh, we all follow you. Uh, I'm not as much of a super fan as Charles is, but I am a really huge fan. And thank so you, I want to say uh, I want I want to say thank you for, for coming on. Um, yes, you said something earlier that kind of caught my attention. You had said um, something about uh, the, the high school that you had gone to and uh, charter yeah. schools, yeah, Frederick Douglass, and then charter schools siphoning uh, the smart kids. So yeah. I know how people take that and they take that out of context. So I kind of want to just bring it back to the fact that parents choose what schools their kids go to. So those kids on their own didn't say, you know what, I'm going to walk and I'm going to go to the charter school. Parents selected those schools for whatever reason, right? It could be good marketing. It could be because they really had a good program. And so my question... Yeah. And so my question to you is, um, what are your thoughts in terms of like parents being able to select schools that best fit their kids? And what kind of uh, schools do you do you send your kids and in, 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 uh, your nephews, nieces and your own kids to? Yeah, I'm, all my children go to public school. One of my children, uh, Charter School, Michael, um, and that's Kip Sapples and Kip Academy. She just made honor roll. Congratulations, Michael. If y'all follow me on Instagram, y'all saw me putting that up. Um, mm. So I don't I don't have a problem with the idea of the concept of charter schools. And a lot of times when I speak, I'm very specific to say I'm talking about my particular community, my particular school, my particular, this particular place. And matters of Frederick Douglass High School. Frederick Douglass High School was a national um, school of honor, a national school of excellence. And I believe can be and will be again. Although when they put newer schools up that were chartered, whether it be Best Academy or the Caress King, what they started to do was take a school that once used to house 2,000 kids, graduate on average kids of 500 in a class, and send the bulk of those kids over 300 to college. Because when you would come into Frederick Douglass, you would have a talent system. You would be a magnet, which was math and science. You would be an arts, um, um, an arts talent center, which was me, a business talent center, which was many of the people who went on to go into courts. And there were uh, two other talent centers like and there's one more. Um, so you were you you were in the eighth grade when I went in. You would be a sub freshman. You would come in. Your your talent would be identified. They would line you up to go all the way through. And your head, my head was Miss Bishop. She was the leader of the um the art talent center, and she was just fucking mm. brutal. Her shit was if you was from the projects and you could sing, she was gonna get your singing ass and a course in a black school somewhere so you could go to college. You know, I remember coming to her and saying, "Hey, my voice changed over the summer. I don't really want to be in the chorus." Well, she was like, nigga, you going to college to do something. So what do you do? I said, I can draw. She said, well, you're going to take art class and I'm still going to keep you in my music theory class. And it, it, and I mean, she was so tough that when it was time to graduate, we had to do a research paper. Not only did I have to do the required research paper to graduate out of my English class, she required me to do a research paper on I'll never forget the presence of Satan in classical opera. She said, that sounds like some badass mm. stuff you'll like. If you don't do the paper, you're not graduating. <laughs> so she was she was brutal on a mission to send us to college. So I even get the concept of putting um, excellent kids around excellent kids. You know, 
Um, I don't get the concept in Atlanta in regards to Frederick Douglass High School and Benjamin Mays, why there was a need to create charter schools that essentially took the best talent out of schools. And by taking that best talent, you left a bunch of kids who were considered average, who never had any kids to aspire to. They like, I'm, I'm only here today because I was friends with a certain quality of kids that were so determined so early, I couldn't just, you weren't going to leave me behind. I'd be damned if you finna go to Buffalo College and I'm not going to more out, like I'm gonna figure this shit out. And and I, I think there's something to that. So that's not to say that I, I don't agree with charter schools because if a charter school is what's gonna help your child get the education they deserve, to first and foremost be strong for themselves and then for their community and a greater community, I'm never gonna tell a parent they're wrong. Because I had to have this discussion with my sister, right? But what I don't want to happen is that for every one we win, we lose 49. That's, and that's what the public school system has turned into. For every one we're winning, we're losing. And we aren't even teaching that one that win a lot of times that each one teach one. You're, I was, I literally was taught that your job is to make sure that the seat you leave here at Frederick Douglass, that another student is qualified to take it. And when I got to Morehouse, I remember going to chapel and they let us know, hey, man, these seats were held by people in front of you, and it is your job to hold these seats for the for the guys that are coming and to teach them. So I think that as a community, we could lean into that. Like I'm I'm less about arguing over charter versus public and private, even than saying let's get to a system of each one teach one, because essentially that's what got our great grandparents out of the miseries of illiteracy and into the mainstream of being able to self educate themselves and progress themselves so quickly. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Ray. Go ahead, Chris. You know, I got a question uh, just about the hip hop community in general. Right. So actually, I got two questions. So we call that a compound question in. in, uh, <laughs> in classes, you know. use that. <laughs> uh, but the first question is, I've always been interested in when people come through regular public schools and then they get a little money, what happens to them? Yeah. So uh, I, I'm always interested in what the hip hop community does with their own children. You just told us a little bit about yours, but um, when you see other people come up, you get the first album, you get the second album, third, fourth yeah. album, you get different levels of money. And then all of a sudden yeah. your children are different. Right. Yeah. So I would be interested to know what some of our hip hop heroes do with their kids. But really the bigger question is how can we get the hip hop community to popularize more messages around educational freedom, around yeah. educational capital uh, than we have right now. I give you this, man. I want to first of all say shouts out to little baby. Um, he went to Booker T. Washington High School. He did not graduate. <laughs> he dropped out of school, and then he took a hundred thousand dollars back to make sure that kids had some help. Um, I wanna, I wanna give a big shout out to the Amigos who did similar things for middle school in Atlanta. I wanna give a big shout out um, to artists like Dro and Ti who supported. Um, Frederick Douglass High School, which they went to. I want to give big shouts out to the Goody Mob, who's done the same for Book. I mean, for Mays High School. Mm. So in Atlanta, there's a real common thread of hip hop being united with helping public schools. I, um, Mar Maria Chris Karski Starfson, who was our last, um, <laughs> last superintendent here. You know, some people like it, some people didn't, but she's the superintendent mm -hmm. of our kids. I'm gonna help her out however I can. Freddie Figures, the black owned wireless company, Freddie Figures donated a bunch of stuff they needed to feed kids. Um, and I got them hooked up together. So there's a real big want 
because we are produced by the public school system here. There's a real big want to try to help the schools, whether you graduated or did well or didn't graduate. Most of us had a, a good enough experience that we try to help. So I don't know overall because I don't like you guys got to understand. And as I'm older, I'm understanding this better. Even when I'm talking to people, in Atlanta, we grew up in a virtually black world. So all our heroes, again, and villains have been black for the most part. So um, there's a real want to help schools like Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver, Ralph Bunch. There's a want to help those schools. I don't know what's happening in Detroit. I don't know what's happening in Harlem. I don't know what's happening in Eaglewood. But as for here, I got to give Atlanta credit. They do a very good job when allowed to. Because, you know, some stuff public schools just don't, you know, they, they you know, they don't want you coming in on your jury on career day sometimes. But even Gucci Man is going to go to elementary school and did a, and did a damn good job. So I, I, I would, like, what I would, what I, in, in my city, a lot of people who get down, now the big time guys who get, get a lot of money, a lot of their kids will go, if they go to public school, they'll go to North Atlanta, uh, formerly Northside, or um, Rip, Riverwood is another one. That's a good school. Mixed incomes and everything, but good. Westlake, where Cam Newton went, which is um, not far from where I live, is a good school. No, these are public schools. And then there's private schools like Woodward Atlanta Christian Academy and Winston Academy, too. Um, Woodward would be one, a lot of the people who are on the face or having around there, their children went to Woodward, where it was a, it's a, um, before son actually was running back for them and now plays in Oregon. Good school, solid school. Um, mm-hmm. These white kids, mm-hmm. for the most part, Atlanta white kids, so they they, 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 they get the beige rage. They don't really be tripping on here about a lot of incidents. Um, but but the Winston Academy, out in the cab, um, owned by a brother, I think was a former Ohio State guy, is doing an amazing job. You heard about that 14 or 15-year-old girl got accepted in the spell maybe a year ago. That's a part of the kid's school. Um, and if I would like to see black people, to be very honest with you, the Ron Clark Academy, which is another school owned by a white guy, Ron Clark, who's done an amazing job of educating um, black and brown children. The Winston School should be on par, if not if not better, because they're doing with with a tenth of the resources, equal job comparable to and more. When they got a 14, 15 year old girl getting in the spell, so I'd like to say anybody who's listening in Atlanta, especially out on the east side, to support the Winston School by sending your child there. Um, so I, I think that in terms of education overall and hip hop, um, hip hop. Like everything else in the world has been dumbed down. Your educational system mm. has been dumbed down. The way you mm. see news has been dumbed down. The way right. you read a book because you don't read anymore. All of your books and their stuff cut out has been dumbed down. And I think that it's up to us to undumb it. It's up to mm. us uh, to like who you're buying. You know what I'm saying? We on. Um, we, 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 we talk about, you know, wanting hip hop to do something. But as a business person, you're going to do what makes sense. Black cop was jamming. Black cop wasn't just Carol Reds giving a lecture on black cop. He said, black cop, black cop, black cop. If you were drunk holding a fucking 40 ounce in Guinness in the club in New York, black cop, black cop, it it made you move. So, you know, it matters, it matters, it matters that there are people out there when you talk about records, you talk about Dustin Prestige out of Houston, or you talk about Earth Gang out of Atlanta, you talk about my man Toby out of Houston. He's Nigerian, so it's hard to pronounce that last name, but it sounds real cool. If you if you don't if if we if we are supporting them and we plan it and jamming, then more of that happens because business people like to make money. And and every rapper says something socially conscious. If we lean into supporting that, they're gonna support the biggest song of Lil Babies last year. 
um, was that record that was a protest record. You know what I'm saying? So, I, mm. and that kid is just amazing. Right out of West End, like I say, dropped out of Booker T. Washington, and now I know his employees at over 30 people, easy, and about to open his own restaurant, helping kids get out of school with dignity and pride. So, I would like to encourage the guys that are doing it, and I would like to say, as a community beyond hip-hop, we can all have a greater love for education. I'm I'm in the process of getting um Michael and I we read to read books together. You know what I mean? So um Animal Farm, you read together. Even if you don't live in the same household, it gives you something to get on the phone about for 30, 40 minutes. So I'd encourage us to even do that, you know, because I, I think that when when we see each other falling in love with education. I think that children imitate us and, and we could do a better job mm. of showing that we love and stoking the curiosity of children. That same teacher, Mr. Murray, I told you about, I remember saying, man, you know, I just, I don't know why you picked me to keep educating after school, but I thank you. You know, and he said, he said, man, Negro, I just saw early, man. He really want to think. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's that's really what he and he says, all I wanted to do was just keep you curious. And that really is what it's about, you know. So Mike, I you've been you oh I am I, I just wanted to uh, no, no, we're want, good, we're good. well I, you know, I know I, I know you are an, an important dude and I don't want us to keep you too too long. So I want to get at least one more question in with you. But real quick for everybody watching, if you are enjoying this show and you're enjoying what Mike is kicking, we need you to stop right now and share this. We need you to like it and share it. We depend yeah. on you all to make sure this reaches the- go viral. Yeah. And Mike, we need, and Mike, we need you to damn share too, Mike. Like me, uh, Mike, here's one thing. You, you said a lot, man. I, and I just wanted to appreciate you on that, man. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention your bank and, and the work that you were doing there. And the question that that rose into, right, is, you know, we care a lot about black policy, but we also care about black folks that got to wake up tomorrow. that got to yeah. need agency about themselves or whatever. Absolutely. That's what that's what I tend to focus on. But my question is, we need your help. What is what is the next steps that the five of us can be taking together? You have a much larger platform than we have. Yeah, but you also got four experts on black education right here as well. So, yes. what is the next step for Michael Render with Michael yes. Render that yes. the A Black Chance can come together on to make sure that this message is getting out to more people? Um, yeah, I just, I just was well, curious. Let, let's get ten and, and, and let's put you on the hook a little bit. Okay, let's get ten people to post and and and, and, and retweet this comment in certain in certain way. Uh, I mean, this this program. Let's get them to tweet it. Let's get them to post it out. Let's get it out there, right? Let's specifically target black men. Since there's five mm-hmm. black brothers talking here, let's specifically target men who think we would, would, would listen, would, would look like, would agree. Let's do that, right? So so that, that people know that some of the same thoughts and ideas they share in the barbershop, now it's public and you can talk about it. Um, the, the other thing is I say cut up some segments because I know I talk long and just put out some one-minute teasers and things of that nature. Uh, and and the, the other thing that I can do, I can probably come back. We can talk some more, and I'm, willing, I'm more than willing to do that. But since you guys are of education, I think one of the most important things that could happen, because I have a lot of good ideas, I just don't always have to know how to get them done. It would be amazing to create a co-curriculum as our children at home, you know, learning board, the usual. It'd be really good to have easy, fun, almost rudimentary things in the same way that Ebony and Jet introduced us to Chaka Zulu, Mansa Musa, mm-hmm. Sunni Ali Deer, King Tut, many others. It'd be cool to have something mm. just like that to file through. 
it'd be cool to, when you learn about mathematics or you learn about algebra, to have little tidbits to know that this was the first system in math. It'd be cool to have a curriculum, much like Dr. Asa Hilliard, that goes right with the curriculum that corrects, projects, shows the truth. Um, it'd be cool to do that. And I think that's something that intellectuals could do in their sleep because they're so learned. But I think that the trick is keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. And instead of trying to answer every question, just stoke their curiosity. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people, I tell them, Google this, because I know if they simply start down that rabbit hole, they won't ever come out and they'll learn more and more and more and share more and more. And more. Each one, teach one. To be our mission right now, That's bro. Dope. I, I tried to I tried to move fifty bands to your bank, but it's a it's a it's a waiting list. Yeah, there's a waiting. No, no, list. no. It's, I got a big over. number. I just want to say yeah. this. I'm like four hundred and something thousand yeah, on the waiting a, oh, list. Oh wow! I'll let you, you know. say it. Not me, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'm talking about how much I was trying to move. I'm not talking about where I'm at no. on the waiting list. Wait, Ray. We definitely we definitely want that fifty bands. I need that fifty bands. <laughs> I would like to buy a muscle car, but um, but. But before this phone dies out, I want to say that um, a lot of a lot of times there's a rush to get it out, and with us, there's no rush to get it right. So I appreciate you signing mm-hmm. up. You're going to hear from us. Um, it's not going to be cold anymore when it when it happens. So you can look forward to to I would say spring or summer. But it has to be the right partnerships. Um, it had to be the right setup because you know Andre, I just don't want to fail. Black people, mm-hmm. you know, to be very honest. Now, if you put something in the marketplace and it just don't work, I'm involved in a, a few different things in the tech world. Some of them will work and some of them aren't. Then that's right. But what I don't want to do is get black people's hopes up to fail them. We want mm-hmm. something competent. We want to make sure that we can do exactly what we say we can do on the first day and not the next day or the day after. And we're taking time to make sure all the T's are crossed and all the I's are uh, dotted. And, and I appreciate your patience. Thank you very much. Greenwood mm-hmm. um, was a place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for those that didn't know, that was destroyed by race terror um, with white people going in and destroying a black town where black people, because of segregation and Jim Crowism, which was apartheid, had to form their own town, created their own schools, doctor's offices, doctors, lawyers. They had their own dollar turning, and poor white folks got so angry they killed, bombed, gassed, raided, took it down but they did not kill the spirit of Greenwood, whether that's Greenwood the whiskey, which I'm not associated with, or Greenwood the banking platform, which I am associated with. It gives us an opportunity to pull ourselves out of the muck and the mire of that evil that terrorism caused and into a proper place in this country, and that's at the head of the helm in this tapestry called America. Man, you've been great, brother. I don't know if you have any parting words for us before we let you go and get back to your family, but it's yours. very simple. We can, we must, we will. Mm. Oh, most stuff, most stuff. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. Love and respect. Mike, now when we reach back out, don't act like you don't know us, bro. I'm gonna go tag you on Twitter and Instagram. Don't be like, who is this cat? Don't 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 front on us. Now, do me a favor, too, guys. Get you guys T-shirt and cap size. This is Jennifer Farmer. I want to make sure I send you um, send you some product and gear from Swag Shop. And if all of you ever get to Atlanta at one time, you're welcome to broadcast um, from my shop free of charge. I appreciate that. That's dope. That's dope. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you. That's good looking out. Peace. So... Folks, ladies and gentlemen, and esteemed uh, brothers of the 8 Black Hands podcast, that was... 
One killer mic. Uh, reaction. <laughs> no, look, I'm, I'm glad he came on, man. It's, uh, you know, I think so much of his, of his messages uh, spoke very clearly with the rest of us. You know, like what we've been saying about building institutions and how much he centered education, right? Like the love for community, education, you know, educate, agitate, organize. You know, uh, I, I think that he spoke about that in a, from a lot of different realms. I loved how he brought in history, like what he learned as a child, the people that he was he was around, the people that, you know, helped develop him. You know, the teachers that pushed and challenged him. Right. Because it was out of love. They were like, oh, you going you. This is the bar. The bar is the bar is the bar. And we're going to help you get there. Oh, you don't want to do it that way. The bar is still the bar. We're going to help support you get there. So I, I think, you know. You know, just the messages resonated and, you know, each one teach one. And this is why I think edu- teachers are so important because, yes, if all of us as citizens can do each one teach one, because the best educators, they each one te- touch a thousand. Right. Because that's that ripple effect. And so that's that he was talking, preaching in Guza Saba all all night. So I, mm-hmm. I, I can rock with that. Yeah, Hashtag in Guza Saba. And and I like your Freedom Summer shirt too, brother. I, I, oh I, yes, sir. Peep the threads. I I see it. I understand it. <laughs> Raymond, what's your thoughts, brother? Yo, bro, listen. Um, I I loved it. It was uh, it was it was amazing, bro. Uh, the energy, uh, just the realness, bro. Like you know, what I'm saying it's it's just like, you know, you get these artists, bro, and and they don't really have a connection to um to the community the way that uh the way the mic does or whatever. And um, bro, it was just really good to see. Now. To be fair, you know, he, he does have some far out things and, and there's interviews that I've seen prior to that I don't necessarily agree with that I'm not 100% aligned with, but everything that he spoke about in terms of education and uh, and, and, and things of that nature, I'm, I'm 100% with it, man. So it was good. To, it was a good episode. Mm. What's up, man? And uh, Chris, the man of the hour, uh, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, you worked hard around this one, brother. You, you hustled. Um, did, did it meet your expectations, black man? Well, first of all, I'm not the man of the hour. <laughs> first of all, Mike brings it. I ain't got a single platinum album. Yeah, so I just <laughs> want to be real clear. I, I, I'm not the man of the hour. I'm the brother that is watching the man of the hour. Everything that he said just now, to me, my heart was just exploding in a in a way because um, education activism is in such a bubble all the time. It's like in, you know, so to get it outside of the bubble, what he was speaking in my mind was, was freedom pedagogy, right? Like, like uh, we keep trying to reenlist our kids into slavery pedagogy, right? And, and the pedagogy of the oppressed. And what he was just saying was his grandfather learned to never need anything from anybody. You, you eat what you kill. You you uh, reap what you sow. You build it yourself, your own hands, whatever. So now in his generation, that actually translates to wanting to be free, not wanting to be owned by any system, including a government system, including, you know, some other people's money or whatnot. So FUBU, education, you know, for us, by us. The thing that was as he was talking, I was thinking to myself that we need to build on. Is there are so many people right now already in education that have the moving parts that he's talking about? You know, Kaya, Kaya Henderson's group Reconstruction.us is a piece of this puzzle that does the out of school time detox that he was talking about, right? That we have Naomi Shelton leading the charter collaborative of single site. Uh, single site charter schools that are run by people of color and specifically by black people is another piece of the puzzle, right? In our own network, you know, we got people 
um, Sharif, the thing you're doing with building a pipeline of black educators, right? The thing the four of us are all going to be working on, building the fellowship out to be a national network of black men who are showing up for children and defending them and their, their intellectual development in ways we haven't seen before. That's a part of the, the puzzle, right? So everything he was saying, I was saying to myself, man, we got a good start on this already, though, right? Like oh, a lot of oh, it's here. Hey. Leave the screen on him. Say something nice about me and say something nice about energy converters, man, because you just shouted out Reef. It's and- all good. <laughs> we good. We good. We, we it's, it's, it's- see, 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 there's always one in every group. There's always one. Right. There was one in the temptations. There was one in the four tops. There was one in new edition. Right. This, this is why you end up with Bell Bib DeVoe. Right? This is exactly. This is the inspiration right here for Bell Bib DeVoe. Right? Bell this Bib DeVoe is, is how shit happens. They are hella dope because they dropped yeah. some dead weight. Right. Hey. And they got Ralph what? over here talking about I'm sensitive. You know, like, like in Johnny Gill. What happened to Johnny Gill? I don't think something happened. He made an amazing career. Something happened. I thought maybe it was a car crash or something. No, Anyways, all I was trying to say, yes, yes, uh, um, you, Please I put firm, in that bag. Right, right. Uh, yes, yes, Ray, I put you in a bag with Naomi and, and those who are leading mom and pop networks, networks that aren't like the big chains, but um, are run by us like run by people of color, black folks specifically. And I also put you in the category of of building the black male network of more than just black teachers, but of black men who are showing up for the education of their children. And of course, actually, you know, I'm, I'm glad you made the prompt because between me and Charles, like, you know, I care about parents exercising parent sovereignty, what I call parent sovereignty, right? No school choice. Let's just call it parenting. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's just parenting. There's no such thing as cool choice, right? It's called parenting and parent power and sovereignty. And 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 the one forgotten ingredient that Charles always brings to the table, which is the young people. Keep talking about education all the time without our young people being involved. So anyways, I, th- I feel like we got a lot of bases covered in our network. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think I think Mike. I think, Mike, it's good to have what you what you witness with somebody that's in the middle of the work. Like it's easy to talk about it when it's something that you're doing and that you live in. Right. It's easy to talk about it. This is this is when 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 people get upset around like academics or whatever or or people that's like do this for a job. It's like, yo, you saying a lot of words that I can't really connect with or I don't really understand. You're making it very complicated. And I think the message ha- was very deep. It was not a shallow message, but it was very direct for this community so people can understand it, take the ball and go run with it. So I think for me, man, I, you know me, I, I care about the agency piece, right? Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, my argument is never about systems. I don't need to cater for any system because systems don't love us, right? You have to love people. So I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that, man. I'm, I'm grateful for that love. Thank you, Ray, for, for, for shouting it out. You know, but I'm not mad. I, I, I know what I do. And I, and I think that you all know, right? Like, I think even in Oakland, when we were talking about, when we gave away just that money just recently, we wanted to give it directly to community people. I think that the four brothers on this, on this show right now, we have a lot of power. And let's just own it and let's say it, right? Let's stop running from terms like privilege or power. Like, pop. For the people out there that get mad when people say you got privilege, stop. That's that's something that people aspire to have. It is currency that you spend. It's currency that you use. That's like saying 
you rich or you got money or you got wealth and you shouldn't be getting upset. You should be like, oh, okay. And how am I setting up my kids and my family? So I think mm-hmm. that conversation was just really good. And, and to- stop saying black people can't be racist. <laughs> He's like, I got the freak to whatever I want to be. Uh, All right, don't take that dream away from me. <laughs> don't take achievements well, away. And I wanted to segue. I wanted to segue because, fellas, we are at 100. Um, we're going to go. We're going a little later tonight or whatnot. But like, I, I think uh, 100 is a time to kind of step back, reflect um, and just one, take it in. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and to say it was easy would be a lie. Um, I think to like really sit in this moment that. The four of us started with nothing, with nobody listening or whatever the case is. We came from wherever we came from uh, and to have this moment right now uh, and to be able to commemorate it with Killer Mike and and him on point the way that he was. So, you know, let's let's I'm going to start from the bottom of my screen and just Sharif, you know, let's like what what does 100 mean to you, man? Like we, we talked about it. We just had this great conversation. Just where are you at? Yeah, I mean, for me, 100 symbolizes, you know, a a level, even though it's it's short, but, you know, everything's relative of continuity. You know, I I think I see so many, uh, you know, folks who have, you know, uh, fits and starts and, and, you know, they, they may have ideas or they want it to be perfect before they launch and then they don't launch because they're waiting to be perfect. I I see uh, folks who you know, don't understand how coming together, like, you know, was that saying you want to go fast, you know, go alone, you want to go far, go together. And so to me for a hundred, that means like, you know, going together in a, in a, in a way to, um, to uplift the voices that we've experienced, that we've heard that, that are our own, as well as the communities that we love and serve. I think 100 symbolizes a commitment you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, to have, you know, to have a commitment to our community, uh, which is, you know, just always been really important to me, you know, across 26 years being a teacher and a principal, I was only in three schools across those 20, that's a quarter of a century, only three schools, um, because I believe in going deep, but having this, you know, once I'm committed to a cause, um, like that's, that's my thing. That's my, you know, I, I don't separate, oh, this is my life over here. And this is my work over here. For me, it is, it is all, you know, embedded and intertwined in a really deep and, and a profound way. Uh, so, you know, for me that, you know, it speaks to commitment in a, in a really large way. And, but particularly the commitment to, um, students who've had to experience so many broken promises from society and people and politicians and educators and, and stuff. So for me, that the, the, most of all, it's, it symbolizes uh, our commitment to the 8 million black children in public schools. That's what's up, man. Uh, Chris. And, and again, I know I'm just calling on people and whatever, but you know, we can have a general conversation, but I, I just, I do want to just make sure I'm hearing from you each. I just want to know, because it might mean something different to each of us. So Chris, what does a hundred mean, you know, to you? Thank you for that reef. What does it mean to you, Chris? I mean, it means that we're making the distance, you know, that we're going a long ways with it. Um, you know, we never ran out of material. We never ran out of things to say in defense of our kids. Um, we still have not won. <laughs> so there's a reason to be doing this. There's a reason to keep keep pushing forward. But the fact that four black men can come together on a weekly basis to talk about the eight black children, the eight black million, the eight million black children and frame it for others to hear and, and that people came 
and that they pay attention and that, and, and that they have joined us into like a family type relationship. And they've started clubs and other parts of the network and it's building outward from us uh, is divine. To me, there's, there's something else above us that, that is making that part work out because um, this isn't about us. It's not about personalities. It's not about individuals. There's nothing really a lot for us to gain out of talking about this issue every week, except for the freedom of our children. That's the one thing that we have to gain by not letting the system off the hook. So, um, so a hundred for me is it's like one of those milestone moments, something you put under your belt. You think like, wow, um, it was one and then it was 50 and then it was 60. And, you know, when the weeks were coming up to a hundred, I thought, wow, man, uh, that's a big deal. We still talking. There's <laughs> oh. <laughs> still stuff to talk about. We haven't run out of, uh, uh, anything to say on behalf of our kids cause they're worth it. So their parents and our communities. Um, so it's special to me. That's all I got. I mean, you know, I don't know what more to say than the mix has been good, right? Because we coming from some very different locations in life, some very different. Uh, I mean, even in this last discussion, I'm discovering that y'all don't know nothing about old hip hop, right? Like, so the old heads, the old heads need to take over, right? Like, because, you know, you know, so it's a good mix. It's a good mix. It's like Caesar salad dressing. Y'all the sardines. Uh, Ray, same same question, man. What does 100 uh, mean to you? Bro, so um, prior to the show, uh, I was able to jump on with, with Mama Toya. Shout out Mama Toya. Uh, walk, three walk aunties tomorrow, 7 p.m. Uh, she's like our number one fan, bro. Holds down the patron, holds down mm-hmm. book club, holds down pretty much everything that we're doing. Um, so I was able to jump on a Zoom call with, uh, with, with, with patrons. And that energy that I got from them kind of carried me uh, to this show and through this show. Um, it, it, it is just remarkable at the impact that we've been able to have on folks' lives. Like, like I said last week, you have um, college professors that listen to our show. You got department chairs of universities that are listening to our show. And our show has become like part of folks' uh, college and university classes, uh, their material that they're using or whatever, right? And so for us to be that impactful, I mean... Do I have, did I have any doubts that we would ever be? Of course not. Like we're four intelligent black men um, that, that want what we want for kids and we want great education for kids. And I think that comes across in every episode that we do. I mean, you know, a hundred episodes is a lot of episodes with, with, with four type A personalities that go at each other's necks all the time that people don't really I, get to see like on the scene. I never participate in that kind of stuff. How, however, you know what I'm saying? For us I'm to have made C. it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even know a. if I would describe myself as type A. Oh, you know what, Reece? I'm type C. You're type B. I'm right. type C. But anyway, in saying that, I, I, we don't often, uh, we, we don't agree on many things, but the one thing that we do agree on is the fact that the 8 million black kids and the uh, 10 million brown kids deserve a better education. Parents deserve the stage to be able to select whatever school is going to be best for their kid. And we all advocate mm-hmm. for that. And so, you know, as long as that energy is the energy that we have, it doesn't really matter what goes on behind the scenes because people need this voice and they need to be able to have the agency in order to uh, do what they got to do for their kids. That's what's up, man. Um, I, I chime in. I think I think 100 means a lot to me. And, I, I, and, and you know, as I don't I don't. 
I have I don't have the luxury of being like, yo, I have childhood friends from kindergarten, right? Like I went to, like I said, 11 elementary schools, meaning, you know, I'm so used to change. I'm so used to the only consistent thing in my life is like change, right? I'm used to kind of having to be like this loner, especially around things that I kind of care about. And I say that because the only time I, I started at school and finished was junior high, which because it was only seventh and eighth grade. And then college, everything else I transferred in the middle of the year. I transferred from one grade to the next um, and kind of was just all over the place or whatever. So, you know, to be able to stick something out for 100 episodes um, and to also be able to take in the wisdom of, of, of three other black men who are all older than me and have had different walks in this life, um, you know, and, and taking me however I come. You know what I'm saying? Like this is one aspect of me. There's a whole bunch of other aspects, I think. Like we came together around a topic um, that wasn't sexy, that people was not excited to be talking about. And we just came and showed up as ourselves. And we also came and gave hope to parents that felt like they was just out of this game. That felt like they just had no say, no agency. Um, I remember when we was doing the book club, man. And like people would like be in tears and breaking down when it's like, nah, man, you can actually do something about this. Or this is what that history was or Yo, black people are the reason that there's even free public education across the country right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so many things that we've contributed um, just as black folks in this space. Um, And I mean, us as a whole, as a collective around education. And so, you know, I'm very grateful that we've had other shows that have been fans and pop up and people and all those journeys. I just wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to take just a moment just to honor and respect the, the, the three other brothers that's here. You know, and I would tell people out there, don't take anything for granted. None of this is promise. You know what I'm saying? Like, none, none of this promise can change on an instant and in, on a dime. And I, I don't. I, I truly, truly don't. I uh, again, I, I'm, I'm very happy, like my studio, like where I'm at, you know, but my heart's heavy because my cousin who helped me do it, like, you know, homie had a stroke, man. I talked to him a few days ago and he's, you know, getting into a place where he can talk again. Like we were really building out a studio together one day and then we had a we didn't see each other for like a week or something and then it's like oh he had a stroke like he almost wasn't here so i'm just trying not to take anything for granted especially spaces like this this is a sacred space so uh whether we get to 100 more or whatever um i just want to honor all three of you brothers in this moment and and, and tell you like this is one of the longest relationship commitments that i've ever had in my life it's probably one of the best too, you know. I mean, probably, probably, and like, I like, you. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> like, listen, this is what I think for the next one hundred. I think everything you just said is the fuel to build the next one hundred on, though. Realizing that it's something special and important. Realizing that relationships matter, and that nothing we do and nothing we build is going to be done without relationships. I think what I heard from Killer Mike that's important. It's come up on this show before which is we have to stop acting like we're broke too. We have lots of people doing lots of things, right? We are all connected to people that are doing amazing and fabulous work. And for me, it's always about bringing it together, right? Like we're four people that weren't supposed to be together. And now we are, we have bigger networks of people that we know that are doing work uh, on behalf of children every day. I know my role. I don't run a school. 
I don't run a network of schools. So that's not my role. Uh, I don't run a center that's trying to get people to be teachers. Right. So that's not my role. Right. So I need to be con- connected with people that are doing that work. And then, Charles, you and I geek out on like the how do we innovate and do better about the communication apparatus? Like, how do we communicate to bigger and broader audiences about the importance of black children? That is our part. Right. So I'm now thinking about people like Curtis Valentine, who I think is doing dope work. Naomi is doing uh, Naomi Shelton's doing dope work. Right. Every third day I get, a, a you know, invited to something around black educators, um, collaboratives that are being built up um, ones I've never heard of. Right. So this next, I think, leg of the work has to be about building like scaffolding, something that doesn't exist right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you just kind of took us into that next part of that conversation just as around, you know, we just gave honor and homage to the last 100. Like, you know, where do y'all want to see this thing go? You know what I mean? Like, what do we we've talked about it a little bit. You know, we talked about it on air, off air, whatever the case is. And I think, you know, for 100, we do have a lot more people kind of tuning in to celebrate with us. So I think they want to hear from you all. I, 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 let's on this one. Let's Chris just went. Let's start with Ray. And then you're on deck, Reef. Mm-hmm. Bro, I mean, what Chris said was 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 super important, bro. It's, it's, it's important that we highlight folks. It's important that we highlight the work that's being done. Um, but man, sometimes I feel like Manny Fresh, man. I feel like Manny Fresh when when Cash Money was out, because like we have this network of folks that are just truly amazing, and uh, and, and those podcasts uh really bring light to like a lot of si- a lot of situations. So um, a lot of the things that I think about in terms of like getting to a hundred is the fact that we've given so many voices. Uh, opportunities for voice on on our platform. So earlier today we had um we had Kyrisha Bass, who was a former principal of Success Academies in New York City, uh one of the uh, most high performing uh, schools in New York State. And so he had uh, a group of uh, college students that you know you got MIT grads, you got Emory grad. Um, I'm sorry, MIT uh students, um, Emory like top tier universities or whatever. And like these kids are talking about their experiences in charter schools in, in that particular charter school. And um, it was a real dope conversation and it was centered around students. And I think that, you know, moving forward, I want to have and see more conversations similar to what Charles is doing with energy computers <laughs> that's centered around the students because that's the absent voice in education. Like we, you know, that and fathers, right? So fathers, uh, black dads, and uh, and students are, are the absent mm-hmm. voices that are in mm-hmm. education that I want to mm-hmm. highlight moving forward. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. I think mm-hmm. we're on deck. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, I, I agree with everything that that uh, the brother said so far about this. You know, I think next one hundred. You know, we're we talking about like institution building. We're talking about like uh, organizing and educating, right? Like. You know, those are those are the things that can continue um, for the next 100. But I think, you know, a part of it is how do we lift as we climb? How who are we helping to establish their route? Who are we giving cover fire to? Because they are, you know, they're dealing with an issue that's, uh, you know, germane to, you know, the, the causes we believe in. And so I think, you know, that whole idea of organizing, like how do we take our, you know, our, our collective talent, our individual talent and how do we build something, you know, how do we continue to support this idea of, you know, of schools and people who are supporting the schools and folks who work in the schools and, 
Um, you know, for me, it's all about like continuing this, you know, this idea of uplifting our community, serving our community, uh, but then, you know, strengthening our community through our collective voices. And when I say collective, I don't just mean uh, uh, the four of us. I mean, beyond that, um, how do we connect the dots? How do we build on the black blueprint in today's context? And, you know, I think the sky's the limit, you know, for the, for those type of efforts. Charles, real quick. I'm sorry, folk, uh, uh, fellas, real quick. Shout out Emery, man. Emery Edwards, man. I, I know you was, you was throwing out, you know, people that are doing dynamic work, but yo, Em is doing some really amazing things up, uh, up in Indiana, man. So shout out to him. Mm. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. I mean, the thing I love about Emory is that that he uses his position to connect people. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have a lot of connectors in the network, people who use their position not just to hoard, but to like connect other people with each other. And he's one of those people. Um um, gonna let me I was going to say, like, we get a we talking a little bit off. Oh, I, I, I'll, I'll get my little future thing before. Oh, go, you, no, no, no. Go, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I, I feel like you about to yeah, go, go yeah, to another direction. I, I would just yeah, say, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I think, um, you know, for me, like, I, I do like that thing, right? Where we talking about living as we climb and things of that nature. I, I still think that we can even improve this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still like, I'm excited for how much better we can get. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, just how clearer those messages can be. I want, I want people to be able to look at the A black hands and know what each person does. And like, for the most part, most things educational wise, like, one of the four people can support you or connect you to the person that can support that. I, I, I want, I want schools. I actually want schools. I want us being consultants with folks as they build in schools and the things that we've been talking about and what we've been collecting. I, I want us to have like the black Ted talk. Like we have, we interact with so many amazing black uh, just education leaders that have something to say, but that they don't have necessarily, and not just a platform of a show or whatever. Right. Like this is, this is beyond the show, right? Like, like beyond it, this show is where we come and show our work, but the work that's actually happening when we not on these microphones and not on these cameras is the things that I think should definitely be getting highlighted, man. And I want us to have a black safety net. I want, there should be a network where black folks that love black kids are taking risk and that are, are, are challenging systems and making sure kids are getting what they need. And if they get fired because of it, then we should have a soft place for them to land. I mean, when we, I'm talking about nation building, right? Like, and, and I mean, that's, that's what I like to see us kind of get to just in that space. Um, Cause I think I, I, if I gave us a grade, I say about a C plus B. And I say that not a disrespect. I just say that because this is us just kind of, you know, doing this, but like, I, I just see the potential in us as a, as a, as a cohort, as a group can just be mm-hmm. on, on just a different level. So Chris, I wanted to throw it back to you, but I just wanted to, you know, put out my thoughts on the future of what we could be. No, I think that's an important point. I mean, Many people watching us don't know that there's more coming down the pipe in terms of real product, in terms of some changes. I think you asked the question earlier, what does 100 mean? We gave lots of answers, but one of the answers is it's a stake in the ground that that's over. 
Like we did that first 100 and the next 100 is a, you know, it's a new level of growth that we need Uh to have level of growth, equality, professionalism, actual products that we put out uh, ways in which we're providing assistance to a network. We're bringing people in to do shows with us. What type of experience do we want them to have? These are all new questions for us in a way, because um, this has been a massive DIY project. You know, we have been having to do this mostly on kind of the, the seat of our pants for a long time. It's about to change. But I guess I had not a question, but maybe a thought, which just is we're talking like in, in kind of like everything's lovely. Oh, we just going to build stuff. You know, we just going to do great stuff. We're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, it's just all, you know, amazing. Blah, blah, you know, blackity, black, 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 blackity. You know, that's all good. Right. But at the same time. One of the things we rarely talk about is the level of opposition and the organization of opposition. Uh, like, like we're not cli- we're not running on even or even downhill. We're not going downhill or on even ground. We're going uphill mm-hmm. on most of what we're fighting with. Um, so, what do you fellas think about that? Like, what do, what are we bringing to the opposition and the level of uh, of fight that we're willing to bring on behalf of our kids? Mm. Say that one more time, Chris. Mm-hmm. See, see, you can, always, you can always tell the one that was reading his text messages. See, see, see. No, no, no. You, can always, you can always tell the one. I, I, I'm just, I'm, you see my notes. This is my notes on which I'm writing. Somebody got detention. Um, so, no, I'm just asking, like, you know, we talk about these things like everybody's united. Like the network is as strong as it needs to be, but the level of opposition to the things that we care about is yeah, asked, what should we do to the opposition? Like, what should we have? Yeah, have? like, what do we think is the level of fight that is going to take for us to be successful in this next 100? We're talking about all these things we want to build and do, but mm-hmm. we're not talking very much about the fact that it's not 100% realistic to think that it's going to be easy. Let's just put it that way, given the opposition. Not if it's worth it. I mean, our name, our name is Eight Black Hands. I mean, our name is built out of being ready to confront all those type of ills and all that type of stuff and be able to move accordingly and make sure people are supported. I think what you do is you give more power and more voice and agency to people so they can come out of hiding. Like, let them come out the woodworks. And what I mean by that is I work in communities where some white folks will come down and say something bad about charters and charters, and then these other people will parrot them, right? But then I worked at the district, and oh, they would come to me on the on the slide. Jamoke can attest to this and say, "Hey, how do I get my kid into that charter school? How do I get? How do I do this? Or how do I do that?" Um, I think that there's a lot of uh, systemic ownership over black bodies, right? Like, and, and what I mean by that is we gotta we gotta fight that stuff head on. So anytime somebody is having a notion, hey, kids, you're still in this because you made this choice for kids. I don't care what a parent chooses for their kids at all. That really ain't my business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we have to like really take the wool off the eyes, right, of people and kind of being like, yo, listen, when people say this about you, they are basically saying we own you, that you belong to us. And it ain't even from a system that's done us well, right? It ain't even like it's like a system where it's just like 90% is flourishing, right? It's like 10% are flourishing. Um, And they try to, and so I think that we have to continue to make it plain, to continue to make it simple. And we have to like, 
you know, call out stuff when it's some crazy BS. You see me do it. I have some friends that that got some degrees and they'll say some stuff a certain type of way. And then I come over to the top and be like, you ain't even need to say all that. This this <laughs> one, two, three. Right. And then parents would be like, oh, I get that. Right. So I think that we have to show up. We have to be ready to use these hands and we need to have an organizing uh, component behind us. So when we're not getting what we need, eight black hands can show up in a Chicago. They can show up in an Oakland. They can show up in a Cleveland. They can show up in a Harlem and just kind of like, yo, you're going to have to hear us. And I I think that's how you got to like go at it. But people will stand up and fight when they know that people got their back. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you said about the organizing, man, because you know a lot of times people talk about like the power that certain groups hold, you know, whether it's the, you know, the teacher union with, you know, three point whatever teachers and, you know, all the support staff that pales in comparison to if black parents are organized, <laughs> you know, like that, that's a drop in the bucket. Right. And so I, I think, you know, organizing is the number one key. You know, um, making sure that people have are informed, that they have the information that that stuff that may be, you know, whether it's data, whether it's policy or anything else that's hidden in mumbo jumbo, um, hidden behind firewalls, hidden behind closed door board meetings, hidden behind, uh, you know, school leadership meetings that that they're pushed to be transparent about it. And that is decipherable, that it makes sense. Uh, you know, when Malcolm says make it plain, we can be, you know, mm-hmm. um, part of pushing people to do that. But I think ultimately it comes with, you know, banding together. You know, and we talked about this before. We're going to be like a hand or we're going to be like a fist. And I choose fist, you know, every time because that you get work done um, earlier. That whole idea of, you know, the moral arc of justice, you know, the moral arc bends towards justice. You you best bring your hammer. And I think that's what, you know, organized group, a clinch fist, you know, around a wielded hammer is just a different ball game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that organizing piece um, is is crucial, no matter how what it is. When you talk about the Leadership Development Council or uh, when we all convened around, uh, you know, in Chicago or in Philly. Right. We came together to talk about this idea of, you know. Uh, when Dr. Fuller gave that, you know, that uh, man, like like Timbuktu speech, you know, like it was just amazing. Right. And we said that should have been recorded. Right. Like but the, when you looked around the table, there were a whole lot of folks who were like, oh, yes, this is important to me. And I think doing things like that and then having the step two, step three, step four, and then allowing other folks to do that in, in their own spaces. Right. And then do, do you mean when we came together at the at the hotel? Yeah. At the airport. And oh, so yeah. Prince, you'll bring it up. I forget how many times we have come together. Right. In a different city and in a different place mm-hmm. and brought something. We've been doing that for a long time now. Yeah. Like yeah. meeting with groups of people. And also also people have been, Charles, to your point about dropping in, people have been bringing us in to say the thing that can't be said in their communities. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a trip. Right. I forget. We all met in Chicago. Yeah. Years well, ago. Yeah, we met in Chicago. And then when we when you and I met, Chris, it was I didn't know who you were. It was at a dinner organized by Jamoke in Oakland, in Oakland. Yes, Oakland. And I didn't know who you were, but it was somebody and we her and I had a good conversation afterwards. But that I said some stuff that just wasn't true about types of schools or whatever. 
And I was like, that's not true. (laughs) Like, that's not true at all. Let's talk about actual, like, what's happening to kids here. Let's actually talk about what the level of expectations and all that stuff is. And then you, like, introduce yourself after that. And that's 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 how we go crazy. You and I left that restaurant walking and talking. Like mm-hmm. you walked, I forgot where I was walking to, but we left that restaurant. First of all, we've always met around food. I just want people to know <laughs> <laughs> you're going to meet with Chris. You're going to eat with Chris is kind of the, the, the lesson uh, to that. But uh, we walked away from that. And you told me then, and this is a long time ago, this is years ago. You told me then that you were going to write something about the crack uh, e- epidemic effect on children and derivatives. And then look at how time passed, man. That's so crazy that we met. You told me that the first night we met and you did that, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a thing now. That's something that got talked into the world. Um, and the rest of those other folks that were at that meeting fell off, like just like dead skin, just kind of, you know, I don't know what they're doing now, but um, we came together in Philly, Chicago, um, New, that Orleans. Was Oakland. New Orleans, forgot New about Orleans. New Orleans. Wow. Uh, you, wow. And I, you and I in Texas. Um, wow. You and I came together in Texas one time and then, yeah, it was a bunch. Philly, we already said Philly. Philly. Yeah. Minneapolis. Philly was really a couple times, right? Dr. Fuller and the, the Black Male Educator Convenings. And that's right. Our first, our first Black Male Educator Convening, that's where I met Chris. That was the first one. We were pulling yeah. together Black men to advocate. And um, and that's where, you know, where I first met him. So, yeah. That was a trip. I came and saw you with all them sharp Philly young black men teaching who were living in a society together. They had a little, like a, a condo mm. thing it was like the real world, except for with black yeah. male educators or something like mm. that. Right. Like some MTV show. And I thought that was the craziest thing. I had never heard of that mm. black men living together, teaching. Uh, um, and I met Ray wow. at the Chicago convening that you had, at um at at the old Ed Post offices. That's where I met Ray. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's right. Cross street from Harold's Chicken. That's where I met Ray. <laughs> wow. Wow. And Ray, I forgot how we met. I remember it wasn't around food because we weren't in person. Mm-hmm. But like when we come to these meetings, food would be involved, right? It has to be like in person. Um, but I just remember you and I talking about the need for the world to hear from you and to build platform and intellectual, like, like uh, property, like, so, so the, and it's still to this day, the same thing I said then is what I'm saying to even people now, like the more of you involved in the world, like it's not enough to just do this work in obscurity and have nobody know that there's black men running entire school networks, right? Not just school networks, but ones where kids are actually learning. Learning, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Go figure, you know. <laughs> Go figure, because that's not actually the image that you get in the media. That's not what we're told. Right. right? Well, I, I want to make sure Ray can get in here, too, because I guess I had another thought. We were just going to keep piling on. So let me make sure you can. It's like double dutch, bro. You got to just jump in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, listen. Hey. Go ahead. But I, I'm going to write it down. I don't want to lose this point. Go ahead. Um. So I think I think one of, one of the most important things for me is that you know I'm I'm doing some really good work and there are some folks that look like me that are doing really good work and I just want to highlight those folks uh in, in in all ways that I can if it's a podcast if it's um if it's uh putting together a blog a weekly blog in which we uh you know each contribute a paragraph like I just want to get more material out about folks that are doing like really dope stuff um this upcoming February, I got a sweeps week thing going on. Uh, anytime I get an extended, um, 
period of time off. What'd you say? Like sweep what? Sweep sweep. So you know, um, uh, in television, um, they do like when they, when they're going to get, when a channel is going against another channel or whatever, then they'll like put on their best shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me. Uh, when I have like extended breaks or whatever, I do a show like daily. And so uh, this, fo- the focus for me uh, during my February sweeps week, which is also my 44th, 44th birthday week, Happy is that um, I'm going to have, I'm going to have dope people on every, every night, uh, just highlighting the work that they're doing in education. And I feel like, you know, it, it's just super important to do that because, you know, we got to break this. We, we, we got to, we got to change this narrative that, uh, that we aren't experts in terms of uh, in terms of education and how we approach it, uh, which is the reason for my dissertation. My dissertation is parent engagement in urban charter schools through the lens of black male school leaders. And the reason why I selected that topic is because there's little scholarship that has to do with just black men and how they lead. Uh, we talk all the time about um we talk all the, all the time about Brown versus Board of Education and how we lost so many black principals. And if you look right now in terms of the scholarship, in terms of like what black men are doing to lead their schools to engage parents, uh, it's a gap in the literature. And so that's why I, I chose that to be to be my my uh, my the subject of, of my dissertation. And I can't wait, man, uh, sometime, uh, I don't know, next five months or whatever, when I defend and I'm able to like put things out and put those stories out in pseudonyms, of course, uh, so that folks can see the amazing things that black folks are doing in education because black men are, are, are running ish in education. And for, uh, for folks to be able to see for students to be able to see people that look like them in, in, in those chairs is extremely important. And it's extremely important to highlight. That's what's up, man. I, I thank you for that, Ray. And looking forward to you uh, getting done with that too, man. I know what that, what that struggle is. So keep going. Uh, and I know Maya can send you some love, too. I know she's working on her stuff. I would say this, man. Um, there, there's a piece that we kind of leaving out that I do want people to just understand. Like, we came together because we had these conversations. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know Chris. Like Now I'm thinking about he's like the like the, <laughs> the light skinned Nick Fury up in this thing right now. Right. Where he's like <laughs> trying to trying to get these people. But. I prefer Creole Mafia, bro. But but here's the real issue that's underlying it, right? Around why we needed to come together. It was actually somewhat out of protection. It was Ray was being attacked for some work that he was doing at, at the school place or whatever. Sharif was always getting attacked around just trying to educate kids. Chris had already been through that rigor, through, through that, through that ringer with those people and then people were trying to come at me around a lot of different things because I was like I don't and I work for this system and I went here but I don't love any of this stuff and like there was a need people they come for black people like they come for folk especially if you a man it's going to be really 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 tough in those spaces and we wanted to you don't have to be there's this notion when you do education work that you got to be perfect that every part of your life has to be this thing or that thing or you can't can't have no emotion you can't have any of this stuff or whatever you know what i'm saying and i think um i think that gets lost for a lot of people the reason why the show was important and the reason why so many people flocked to it is because we said stuff that they wanted to say and couldn't you know what I'm saying? And I think that like that piece, you know, like I, I just think that that's just really important. And I, and I don't know if a lot of people know it didn't just come. It, it wasn't built out of joy. It was a, something that was built out of necessity. It was something to be like, yo, 
we at the club, man, and 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 we stealing on people. And sometimes you need somebody to have your back because you will get jumped in these education streets. And this happened. It's happened to every single one of us. And 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 I think that. But now, because we speak up, there are so many more people out there willing to to stand up and and speak. You know, truth to power for black kids. So you know, I I just don't know how many people actually knew that reality. You know, that's the lesson that I think I learned that drove me the most was going through something and feeling like you're all alone, right? Having people drag your name, you know, going through your social media, um, trying to get you fired and, you know, attack you in different ways. And then looking around and see like who's with you and having a whole bunch of people scatter, right? Like in the middle of being attacked by education's Karens, versions of Karens, more than once in my existence, um, where there were material losses, like I lost real things. I remember saying to myself then um, that I would never that that I would number one, that I would rise above it. I'd come out of it. But number two, that I would never let anybody else like stand alone on this stuff. Mm. Right. So there, I see people go through things as school board members, as teachers and principals. I've seen principals get sabotaged by their staff just because they didn't like them and they didn't like being led by a black man. And and when you are that person, they can make a different story to get you out of out of the way. It doesn't have to be about your skill or your talent or your dedication to children or what you're doing. They will find something else to make the the knife that they turn on you to get rid of you. And they're very organized. So I think, you know, just it, part of me, my driving thing was to never want to see black men go through that uh, without somebody stepping in to say, like, listen, privately, you can beat this. You know, you got this and, and let's stand together. They can beat one of you. They can't beat all of you. Right. So move as a team. <clears throat> Bro, I just want to I, I want to just piggyback off of what Chris is, Chris just said, because that's kind of like how we met. I was posted on the daily news. I think I, I might have made some 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 black headlines and stuff or whatever over some tweets that were taken out of context. But just like you said, like when people don't really have good energy towards the work that you're doing, they can take those things and they can kind of rewrite those narratives, to try to make you feel or seem as if you're doing something bad for black kids when, you know, you're the only person that's really doing something for black kids. So I appreciate you creating that space, I guess, for all of us in terms of just like, you know, just having that, having that safe space of black men to be able to come in and do this work, man, extremely powerful. And I'm thankful for that. But then also, um, Damn, man, this is a really powerful show, man. Hey, Charles, I, you did a good job, bro. I don't tell you that enough. Well, uh, I appreciate that, brother. Well, you did a I, good job. I mean, homie wrote. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I have. I had direction. I had oh, good direction. Oh, so if you had direction, then whoever gave you direction, hey, Chris, if you gave him direction, then shit, you did a good job too. Hey, listen, it was good. Yeah. It was great, man. Uh, but yeah, however, you know. Hey, and Reef, Reef, whatever you did or didn't do, it was great. <laughs> I'm just a supporter, bro. I just cheer on, pray hard, you know, and, and show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, I mean, this part of this is just, you know, you know, when, when Harry would tell people that that were like, you know, you talk about like what's part of our work, she would say, you hear dogs keep going. <laughs> you hear that you see the fire, the 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 uh, lanterns keep going. You get cold, you get wet, you get tired, keep going going. And I think, you know, this like part of our work to honor our ancestors who kept going is for us to keep going and to support those who 
have to keep going because our children depend on it. So, you know, that, that same conversation, you know, the scenario that Ray's talking about, like, that's how we met. But, you know, again, it shows like, you know, all that, you know, that, that's why I hate the narrative about, you know, black men, you know, because they, they really want to push forward a particular narrative about black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my favorite teacher ever was a black man. You know, the person uh, that was Baba China, the person who recruited me to become, uh, you know, convinced me to become a teacher was a black man. Right. Like there were so many, um, you know, uh, people who played a specific role and, and shout out to black women, you know, like, you know, like all of them as well. But I'm very particularly talking about, you know, the black men and and how we have to support each other because of the just divisiveness that happens when we're talking about uh, black men being positive contributors to society, being positive fathers and and husbands and sons and and community members and leaders. And so when Ray was going through the piece that he was talking about, Chris called me, like he sent me an email or text or something like, hey, I want to introduce you to someone. And we were, you know, we were on a three way or something and we just ended up talking like that's how I met. Like, hey, I need you. I want you to meet somebody. Right. And so that kind of uh, thing happens all the time behind the scenes in our communities and doesn't always get to play. Some other narrative gets, you know, gets hijacked and pushed forward. And we have to own that. Right. Like that that whole idea of defining ourselves is is it's absolutely vital. And so I think a part of what we do as the eight black hands is we define ourselves. And that's what we put out there. <laughs> All right. It always fellas. comes back to the Nguza Saba, right? Like it always comes back. It always you know? comes back. Self-determination. Saba, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, fellas, it's been uh, real. This has been an amazing show because we had an amazing guest. But then we we have also been able to cement our 100 and uh, and give some hope and some light onto the next 100. Why don't we do a lightning round for everybody to just like have their final word on 100. We're going to put this one in the bag. So uh, what's your final word? We'll start with you. I'll go in the order that I see on my screen. So we'll start with you, Charles, and work our way up. Just final, final man. uh, Again, I, I joined this network early on. Chris would be like such and such under attack and be like, say less. Like, I got you. Like I was writing at Huffington Post at the time. And I remember John Little was being attacked or whatever. And we, 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 we pissed some 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 white folks off with that one. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we came into this with the uh, with the notion around a black hands and what that means. Like, really, it's not just a, a, a cool little fun name. Right. It's like who is willing to fight and be on the front lines for our kids and for us and our communities and, 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 and everybody listening. We expect you to fully be ready to jump in because we all going to need you at some point. Amazing. Ray, what do you got to say, man? Well, what I want to say is, uh, you know, you don't get any awards for perfect attendance, but I've been here for all 100 episodes. (laughs) Are you for real? Uh, All 100 episodes. Wow, wow. uh, I I say that to say that the next 100 episodes... That's no easy task. That's no easy feat. And and that's my segue to say that, you know, the next 100 episodes, you may see, like, a little bit less of me, not because, like, I'm not involved, not because I don't love my bros, but because this dissertation thing is kicking my ass and, and, and... you know, sometimes I might just need to walk away in order to gather myself in order to be able to uh, become a part of an academy that I've worked, you know, uh, about 10 years to get into. So, you know, I, I might have to dedicate some more time to that. And, uh, and so if you don't see me, you don't think that, you know, the love ain't there. It is. But, you know, I just got to 
take some time to make sure that I get done what I need to get done to be better for y'all mm-hmm. as uh, as eight black hands um constituents. So he is dissertating uh, for those of y'all that want to know the official terms. Dissertating. <laughs> um, uh, Sharif, yeah. thank you, brother. What's your final word? Hey, final word is just, you know, congratulations and a thank you. You know, congratulations to us, but not just us, the four of us, uh, but to our community, the community that informs us in the comments, the community that supports us and spreads the word that challenges our thinking, that helps us refine our, you know, our vision and our communication. Uh, you know, I just want to give a, a shout out to our audience who've been just, you know, not only has it grown, but there's also been a level of consistency um, you know, with with uh, several of the, you know, the folks in our in our uh, community. And I'm just really grateful, like, you know, a big part of of the work um, in our community is being, you know, being grateful, showing gratitude. Um, and that allows you to be even stronger. And the fact that we got we got a whole lot of folks that have our back on a daily basis, which helps us makes us fearless as the eight black hands. It, make, it means that we will blink a lot less uh, because you you are with us. And I just just have a deep level of gratitude uh, for everybody who supported us, encouraged us, listened to us, chimed in um, and continuing their fights, you know, uh, in, in their realms and, and just honored to be in that type of community. No. Well, listen, um, this wraps up our 100th episode. My final word on it is, uh, first of all, gratitude to the brothers for sticking with it for 100 episodes and being here, being consistent, being true and uh, having each other's back, but not just, you know, our own backs, but other people's backs also as well to our audience that has grown. You're no longer an audience. Like we're not just talking at you. You are family now. Like you have followed uh, um, us to the point where you can do what we do <laughs> uh, um, better and you're starting to develop uh, click and new new um, new groups. And that's exactly what we should be doing. We're building a family. And this is what I should say about my vision. The first 100 episodes of this was our learning experience on how to do this well. The next 100 shows should be our opponent's learning experience for them to learn what happens when black mm-hmm. people collect around the common interest of our children. Mm-hmm. Like, we have, we've been saying it on so many shows, 8 million black children walking into public schools every single day that are not ready for them or built for them and are not going to help them reach their highest potential. And that is a problem that we can't sleep on and we can't actually uh, um, um, pretend like we're, we're all good when we're not. We're not. That is it. That How are the children should be the one burning question that when you ask it, it better be answered right. Because if it's not answered right, everything is wrong. So the eight black hands was started as if you mess with our children, you're going to catch these hands. Well, I think it's time for that to start happening. I really think it's time for that to start happening. And in every way possible, in some ways, there's going to be the professional levels. We're going to have two doctors on the show. So they might be the more healing, you know, method. We're going to have an educator. So that might be the more educated method of it, whatnot, you know. And there might just be some other ways in which we let our opponents know that uh, our children are nothing to fool with. If you are watching this and you are ever in that type of trouble, the good trouble, contact us, let us know. You, No one should stand alone for fighting for our, our children. No one should. And we're not going to stand alone and we're not going to stand by and be bystanders to you standing alone fighting for our children. So thank you 
for supporting us, supporting the show. Um, look out for good things to happen on this next leg of the journey. We love you and peace. It's 100 in the bag, folks. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.